When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Every Rocky Ever a Rockies podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Roof or Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network, proud member of the Fans for Sports Network. I'm your host, Skylar Timmons, and joined always here with my older brother, Dustin. Howdy ho, howdy ho, neighborino. Oakley dokley, as we, as always, celebrate Rockies history, talking all things uh, individual Rockies throughout their history, and we've had quite a few episodes talk about multiple guys. But for this one, I think we wanted to, to settle in on one, maybe a more notable name, one that was worthy of an episode all for himself. And it is one of the best pitchers in Rockies history. Some would say an underrated best pitcher, an often forgotten one of how good he was in a Rockies uniform. And that is one Jorge De La Rosa out of Monterey, Mexico, a longtime left-handed pitcher for the Rockies, had a solid career there. And so this should be a fun one to talk about, Dustin. Oh, yeah. Good old Georgie is, uh, I remember, a good buddy, George Frazier, I like to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, like you said, one of the most successful pitchers at Coors Field. That lefty, crafty lefty with a little hitch in his, in his leg kick and who was always readjusting. Uh-huh. side <laughs> every pitch but jorge de la rosa man he's a good one like you said he's he's one of those guys that kind of everybody forgets about uh-huh. when he's yeah. he's when we get into it the stats mm-hmm. he, is, he is one of the best to tow the rubber for the rockies and one of the most, probably, he might be the best trade acquisition pitching-wise that the Rockies have ever acquired. Which is, uh, when you think of their history of acquiring pitchers and trading and signing guys, that he's the best acquisition 
know, from outside of the organization to bring in. No, that's, it's pretty impressive and kind of sad, but more impressive. <laughs> yeah. But one of the, one of the, the sneakiest best moves they ever made, especially mm-hmm. in that, in that time period, right after the, right after the world series appearance and he locked up, you know, part of that starting rotation for years. Mm-hmm. And went through injuries and all that stuff that we'll get into. Uh, but we'll go ahead and Dustin, give us the rundown on Jorge De La Rosa's career and time with the Rockies. All right. Jorge Alberto De La Rosa, uh, left-handed pitcher. He was born in 1981 in Monterrey, Mexico. And he, from, from that, he, he uh, played ball. He was originally signed by the Arizona Diamondbacks in 1998 as an amateur free as an amateur free agent. Uh, that he so he, he played down in Monterrey in the Mexican League, and you know bounced or you know that he was he was signed from them. Uh, the, the Diamondbacks drafted him. They signed him right and. The team in Monterrey, then the Red Sox purchased him from from the Mexican League. Then he was traded over to the Diamondbacks. Then he was traded to the Brewers. And looking at the names that he was traded with, uh-huh. some big ones. Uh-huh. There's a there's a a major league uh, manager. In the in one Craig Council, but then he was traded with the from the Brewers over to the Royals, and then in two thousand eight, traded from the Royals over to the Rockies uh, for Ramon Ramirez, and he played with the Rockies number twenty nine from that two thousand eight season to two thousand sixteen season, and then he bounced uh, over backed over to Arizona. And finished out with the Chicago Cubs in 2018. In 2019, trying to make that comeback, uh, re-signed with the Rockies, but an oblique injury shut it down, and he was released in June of 2019. And he's been retired since. Uh-huh. Um, Jorge de la Rosa. Yeah, that's a much longer career when you even look at it 15 years in total no kind of in the big leagues nine years with colorado no (laughs) you're looking at his career he just doesn't seem like that guy that had been around for very long but looking at that from 2004 to 2018 he was in the big leagues pitching around getting action around the league which again one of those sneaky just forgotten guys in baseball history yeah, and, and you know, as we dig into his history and stuff, he was a two-time futures game player uh, there in 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't that Jorge de la Rosa was just some no-name guy, like whatever. You know, he he had talent. He was it, he flashed it, but it just never turned into anything. Until he reached the altitude of Coors Field. Uh-huh. Yeah, because looking at his career ERA oh, in Milwaukee, 
He had a 6.23 ERA in Milwaukee. In his career, he had a 4.38 ERA with Arizona. And that was just that one year as a reliever in the big leagues. A 5.64 with the Royals for two years. And then a pretty good little stint with Chicago with a 1.29 in 17 games. Where those last two years, he was strictly a reliever out of the bullpen. But you look leading up to that, just not that notable of a pitcher, just kind of the back end of rotation type of guy. Yeah, he'll go out there and just eat some innings for you. Toss out, hopefully you can stay in the game, but he's going to have that high ERA. But then, yeah, he, he gets traded after 2007 to the Rockies and just something clicked. And no, he molded into the Rockies, <laughs> into their cookie cutter mold we've talked about. He was that exact type of pitcher that they liked and they were able to maximize, maximize whatever he was able to offer to them. Yeah. And and he was a, he was an opening day starter twice in that career. He did go through some injuries. He had a Tommy John thrown in there. Uh, You know, I, I remember, you know, some, some other minor injuries that he lost some time, but he was, he was a workhorse. And what's crazy to think is, Looking back at it, how many strikeouts? You know, he had the, the twelve strikeout game, the 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 double digit strikeouts. Uh-huh. We don't see that anymore. We haven't seen that for, for a few years. You know, even we think a Herman Marquez is a is a strikeout pitcher, but you know he's he's climbing up there if he comes back healthy and and stays with it. But Jorge de la Rosa, it was just. Boom, that lefty. And the, the thing that I we always talk about, what, what do you remember most about him? That changeup. Uh-huh. It wasn't one of these whirly wooly dooly ones. It was just just like the fastball out of the hand, and it had just enough off of it that, you know, he had guys fishing all the time. Uh-huh. And, and I, you know, Jorge's that that lefty he's got that Rawlings glove and he always had that tan the tan Rawlings that looked like it was fresh out of the packaging and go through that wind up lift that leg up and he had that little bounce pause whoop uh-huh. and here it came he wasn't a flamethrower he could get up 95 90, you know mid 90s he could throw that little loop and curveball in there every now and then, but that change up. And I think that is where he found the success at Coors Field. Uh-huh. Yeah. Change, and then changing speeds and putting it <laughs> down below. Yeah. And total in his career, he was no, a ground ball pitcher. That's what he was best known for and averaged about a 43 plus percent uh, in Coors Field. Or in, with Colorado for ground balls. Throughout his career, he had a 46.3% ground ball rate. But in Colorado, it was 43%, 43%, 51% in 2010, 40%, 33 in 2012, but he was injured, so he wasn't around very much. And then 46% 23, in 2013, 50% again, 14, 51%, 15, and 47.6% in 2016. So, <laughs> ground balls galore for Jorge De La Rosa and kept his opponents off balance. 
I was that's what I always remember at that wind up, just the the little hitch bounce in his lineup. He was a really slow pitcher. <laughs> that was another thing. His pace wasn't very high. <laughs> it wasn't very fast. When you look at two of the lefties the Rockies have today and uh Ty Block and Brent Suter, those guys are quick lefties. They work quick. But uh Jorge would take his time. But wearing those the high pants, the high socks. But yeah, just a quick and efficient still throw strikes. Because throughout his career, or in Colorado at least, averaged seven point eight strikeouts per nine. And then had a walk rate of three point eight walks per nine. So he pounded the zone, got his strikeouts, limited his walks, and just got the ground balls when he needed to as well. So he's man, wasn't the flamethrower, but he was crafty and and could control his pitches and just had good movement of his arsenal and his weapons that he had in his toolbox. Yeah, and and he took took advantage of that. He's got the the stats. Yeah, he he did have a in the walks and that's where i remember jorge you know it seemed like when things in those bad outings that he had it was like oh man and his emotions usually he's stone cold face but you saw when things were going wrong that visible frustration mm-hmm. of when things weren't going right and i remember jorge just being he seemed just like that competitor and uh that's that's what uh, I, I just remember. Listed like, well, he's getting into his getting into his own. He's getting worked up, uh-huh. and you know that 2008 when he when he came came over from the Royals, and Yorvit Torrealba, I think I think played a big role in you know maybe mentoring him, getting him uh-huh. on this, you know. The battery mates. I think it's it's really important for 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 those guys, those those the Latino pitchers, to have that catcher. Vitor Alba was. We'll get we'll get an episode of, of your Vit, and and being on that same page. One, it's that language barrier that can exist, and you could see as I was watching clips. There's one where. I don't know if it was if it was Drew Goodman or or Jeff Houston that that said, you know, your V it went to three zero and your V got up, took his mask off, and had some words <laughs> and you know, refocused him up, and boom, 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 and they get the guy out. Mm-hmm. So I think that that uh, played a huge role in maybe his development as a starting pitcher for mm-hmm. the Rockies. Yeah, it can just be that perfect storm where the pitcher just needs the right catcher. You know, and at times, a certain pitching coach can just help them at the right time. Because you know, it was what, Bob Apodaca at that time, or whoever around that time. But you can just get the perfect storm where things just click at the right moment for the guy, where they can just, he works with them, he meshes with them so well. And that helps with the development. And Yorvid, I'm sure, was a lot of that. He had you know, Miguel Olivo behind the dish for him. You know, then Chris Iannetta working with him. And you know, whoever else throughout those years, even Willene Rosario. <laughs> oh, 
trying to run through other catchers that they've had, uh, but but you can get the right kind of guy with them. And I, that's what I always like. He was just kind of that bulldog still was just passionate on the mound, wants to, to compete and he'd get it done when he was on. He was phenomenal. And it was just when those walks and maybe he started to get frustrated in his own head, constantly battling himself, I think was where he would get beat. But when he could get past that, man, it was fun to watch him pitch. He was, he was that ace for so many years in that rotation where, all right, George is getting the ball. We're going to be okay today. It's going to, we're going to have a chance to win this game. And that was the thing when, when things were falling apart in those, the Walt Weiss era, uh-huh. it was a disaster. George in, 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 you know, a couple of those seasons, he was an anchor. It's like, everything's falling apart. Is going to give him a chance. Uh-huh. And looking at that, in 2008, first season, he wins 10 games for the Rockies. And actually, interesting thing on that that I found is when he won those 10 games, he joined Aaron Cook and Ubaldo Jimenez with 10 plus wins. That was the first time since 2003 the Rockies had had three starters with at least 10 wins in a season. The Rockies went 13 and 10 in his 23 starts that season. And in 2008, his 128 strikeouts were the third most by a left-handed pitcher in a single season in franchise history. So not too shabby in that first, first season with the Rockies. And then it continues on. He gets 16 wins the next season in 2009, which arguably between that and then a couple of the other years, 2009 is one of his best seasons in Rockies history that we can talk about for a little bit. Oh yeah. That, you know, the, that 2009, when, when things get shaken up and we put Jim Tracy in and everything clicked there, that second half of the, the, the season for the Rockies and, and Jorge was, was that ACE 16 wins for a Colorado Rockies starter. You know, he 193 strikeouts 185 innings that's when you have more strikeouts innings pitched man you had things working uh-huh. cooking and that was that was the thing that year that 2009 man and it have was that kind of pitching yeah <laughs> he said career highs in every significant pitching category ranked second among National League lefties in winning percentage, ninth in innings pitched, 12th in ERA, became just the third lefty in Rockies history to win at least 15 games. It was the, uh, is one three pitchers in franchise history to log more than 10 win campaigns. And he was one of the first to do it in back-to-back you know, campaigns that season, led the majors with 16 wins from June 5th through the end of the season. The first half of the season, he kind of struggled a bit. wasn't crisp, but then after the All-Star break, or around that midsummer, even through the past the All-Star break, he became one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah, that you know, just the 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 strikeouts that that would would come out, um, and and you know, a lot of people make the well the. As you're saying, he's 
the most of a left-handed pitch. I don't even – I never even really thought of it that way. I just see him as he was the, he was the dog. He was that guy. Uh, uh-huh. I don't care if he – what arm he threw with. But um, he, he was just on fire. <laughs> fire. And then it makes you think, unfortunate, that he suffered a groin injury right at the end of the season. And so you lose him for the playoffs, which then the Rockies go on and lose to the, the Phillies in the division yep. series. But it makes it kind of makes you play the what if game. Like, what if he had been healthy? What what have ha- could have happened with that series? Could he have started one of those games and you know just locked it down and get ourselves get themselves another win to to keep it alive and you know force another game or something like that? But unfortunately, yeah, and, and we'll never know. <laughs> but then, but that was kind of it, unfortunately that was the start of kind of a habit of injury bug because uh-huh. then in, in 2010 he he is the opening day starter in the or the in, in the home opener and makes four starts and then there's a pulley tendon in his left middle finger and that's not a fun one to, to do and so he ends up missing 67 games um when he was he was three and one the sub four era and Kind of had to grind out that the rest of the year, um, where it wasn't it wasn't a perfect season, but it was still went eight and seven, twenty one innings, still racked up the, the strikeouts. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, even though he had that injury, that's still still a good year, and you know that, that's we go into the we go in. That I, I remember that off season because it's like, well, he's a free agent. Is he going to go? It, you know, are they going to sign him? He, they they need him. He's he's one of the guys, and it didn't take long, and they re, they did re-sign him, which was uh-huh. good. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was just one of those things working out. Oh, <laughs> what to to do with him? Because you want to keep the guy around, and he's been successful. And oh, maybe it was who knows what his market really looked like. But after all the success he had, it would have been easy for him to just pick somewhere else to go and try to continue that success. But I think one of those instances where he enjoyed pitching with the Rockies so much, enjoyed working with the organization, they obviously loved him and the success he was having. So they managed to work out an extension to keep him around for a couple of years, one of a couple extensions that they, they signed him with to keep him around in purple for several more years for several more years after that 2009 2010 seasons unfortunately that first year didn't <laughs> work out too well because he only pitches in a few games uh and then he has to undergo Tommy John surgery to to work on that left el- left elbow and that kind of began for that just there's just that weird break in his Rockies career yeah, and that, that so that 2012 season two, he only makes he makes a few starts, and that's always a, a trying time. Is after that Tommy John surgery, seeing if they're gonna be able to be, get back to that guy that he was before, right? Mm-hmm. And luckily, 
13. He was. He, he made it back to that making 32 starts. Um, you know, uh, making 30 starts in 2013. So it was like, yeah, we got our we got our workhorse back and he put together what I'll say is the best, well, winning percentage wise, his best season as a Colorado Rocky going 16 and six with a sub four ERA Mm -hmm. 49. Holy cow. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. That was a, that was a year. <laughs> Yeah, it was one of those years and he put up, you know, career highs and starts in the strikeouts per nine, all that kinds of stuff. Just putting up that career year to kind of drag a team that wasn't very good. Had some good moments, good players on it, but it just wasn't going anywhere. But was just dragging that team along, going 16 and six, 3.49 ERA, 162 and two thirds innings. So not as many innings as maybe you'd want, but he never pitched. He never really pitched over. He never pitched over two hundred innings in a season. But who does anymore? Yeah. Do you <laughs> want to hear something that was absolutely mind-boggling right here? Let me hit you with this one. Coors Field in that 2013 season, fourteen starts at Coors Field. La Rosa went ten and one. With a 276 ERA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. That's unheard of. Yeah. You know, that's holy cow. Yeah, his ability to oh. conquer Coors Field is one of the, I don't know if you want to call it the great enigmas, but why is it that Jorge de la Rosa had no problem pitching at Coors Field and yet the team as a whole has struggled there most of their, in the entire history of the franchise. I don't know that, you know, and I, I think it is, especially maybe after the, after the Tommy John, because in those, in those following years, 13, 14 and 15, 16, he goes in strikeouts, 112, 139, 134, 108, you know, he's uh, using that change up more at Coors Field and change that. That's what I remember of Jorge was very good at working the up and down, mm-hmm. down, up and down and finding that, that success. It's so cool. Looking, looking back at what he what he accomplished because in 2014 he was once again Rockies opening day starter, um, and he tied a career high in 32 starts, and he got a, that nice extension, 
and he went on to win 14 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in looking at that, his career at Coors Field, I was looking up those numbers in, we'll discount 2012, but in all of his seasons in Colorado, pitching with the Rockies, he had an ERA under over five just three times in those nine years with Colorado, <laughs> which is pretty sweet. 2000, Like you mentioned, 2013, 2.76, 2014, a 308 ERA. Just He conquered Coors Field, didn't get tagged with a lot of home runs, only gave up not, not a whole lot, but just survived there. No problem. Just had no fear of pitching at Coors. He needs to come back so they can impart his knowledge or wisdom to guys to figure it out. Yeah, you know, something that that's what I always I always thought, well, we thought some of these former some of the former all stars to come back is in coaching positions or something. And that's what we've we've always thought is why not try to get some of these former Rockies pitchers that had success back in with the club and mentoring or you know consulting with the pitching staff mm-hmm. because they're we've had all-star pitchers we have guys that that conquered Coors Field and what knowledge could they could they share and I think you know Jorge would be a great one especially like I said before with the Latinos of you know getting on the same page and helping them out with the mental side of things of how to, you know, how to deal with the altitude, how to deal when your ball doesn't move as much at Coors than it does on the road and helping these guys that had the success kind of transitions that they make, what, what changes, what do they have to work on? And I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, Jorge would be, he, he'd be on my, you know, on my list, I know they have Pedro Stasio working with the Dominican League uh, as an advisor and things, but this is one of the guys that I'm I'm always advocating for. The guy to be like a pitching coach, either at the big league level or like down in AAA, where pitching's kind of a challenge there, pitching at the altitude there, have someone like him be able to if not a full-time coach, just kind of being one of those, again, roving instructors yeah. to come in and, and work with them and talk about the challenges of pitching uh, and figuring things out. Not necessarily to pitch like him, but to maybe take that mindset and, and approach to attacking hitters that he had. For sure. And in that 2015 season is where we start seeing the record books open up for him. Uh, May 21st, 2015, he becomes the all-time strikeout leader for the Rockies. He passes Ubaldo Jimenez. And then on June 14th, 2015, he becomes the Rockies' all-time winning pitcher Mm -hmm. uh, with, you know, in, in 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 the record books, making his, putting his stamp right in there. Mm hmm and speaking of where he ranks in history for the Rockies in career pitching, 
He is fifth all-time, according to baseball reference. He's fifth all-time in pitching war with a 15.5. Earned run average, he's fourth all-time with a 4.35. He's first in wins with 86. Next closest is Aaron Cook with 72. Herman Marquez is third with 65. So Herman maybe has a chance to overtake that one too. He is second all-time in win-loss percentage. He is fifth in whip with a 1.381. Team to look down. Strikeouts per nine. He's fifth all-time, 7.767. Oddly enough, he doesn't rank in top 10 in games played. There's a lot of relievers on that, though. Tons of relievers. Innings pitched. He's second all-time. We talked about Aaron Cook being a workhorse. Who's that? 1,312 and a third innings. De La Rosa is the next closest at 1,141 and a third innings. So <laughs> Aaron Cook's got about 200 innings on him. Mm-hmm. And then Armand Marquez talking about current guys at a 1,016. So he's closing in on that as well. First all time with strikeouts, 985. The big story, Armand Marquez is just two behind him. So He's at least got it for now until the end of 2024. <laughs> that's all yeah, he's got it. Yeah, but Herman is 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 another one that you know that's I I bet Jorge would be super proud of him mm-hmm. going and taking those over for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's second all time in games started at 200, behind Aaron Cook at 206. He's just up there in so many of these. And then, yeah, he leads in some of the, the categories like walks. <laughs> some yeah. of the bad categories you don't want to lead in. Probably wild pitches, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, he does. 70 wild pitches to next closest is Armand Marquez at 55. Yep. Yep. So that might be one he's really rooting for Armand to take over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's third all-time in hit by pitch with 48. Behind Pedro Astacio and Jamie Wright. Hey, that that plate belongs to the pitcher, not the hitter. <laughs> he has faced the second most batters in Rockies history. I have 4,911 behind Aaron Cook's uh, 5,710. So he's just he's right up there in all of these. And if you really want to, if you want to get into some nitty gritty stats look at how well he did in his against left-handed hitters mm-hmm. which good. we can look up yeah, you're the you're the statistician yeah so in his career in total so this will include just throughout his entire career not with just with the rockies facing left-handed batters uh Looking at him, uh, left-handed batters were batting had a three or had a two thirty-two batting average against him. Had a three oh eight on base, slugging three forty-four. So he had three hundred and sixty-six strikeouts to one hundred and forty-six walks against lefties. Just twenty-eight home runs surrendered to left-handed batters, as opposed to one hundred and fifty to right-handers. Right-handed batters. We're slashing 270, 353, 
446. They had an OPS of 799 against Jorge. Lefties had a 652 OPS. So he was just, again, one of those guys left on left. Could just dominate him, get that change up down and away, get him to swing over it. Well, I think he held, he he hid the ball very well mm-hmm. with that really closed, and then it would whoop, come right on over. And he had a lot of success. And, and of course, after he left the Rockies, he was then put in with the with the Diamondbacks as a lefty reliever, lefty specialist. He did some work against the Rockies. Uh, we won't mention the, you know, the one playoff wild card game thing, <laughs> but uh, you know that was a stat that, that maybe I I didn't realize. But looking at the highlights, looking at the numbers, man, that's that's pretty. It's a big difference. You know, mm-hmm. lefties couldn't two th- uh, was two thirty two two thirty six batting average against and. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's another reason why he had so much success. That, and we talk about how good he was at home. On the road, just as good, even better on the road. So he could be really good on the road and then take it at home and be pretty pretty decent and conquer Coors Field where you get that nice balance and <laughs> symmetrical kind of output from him where it didn't matter whether he was at home or on the road. He was going to benefit from being on the road, but that wasn't going to tarnish what he was doing at Coors Field either. Because in Colorado, during his on the road, 332 average in 2009, or ERA, 436 in 2010, 326 in 2011, 419 in 2013, had a 326 in 2015. So majority of his time in Colorado, just as good or better on the road as he was at Coors Field at home. He was an ace. He was, and I miss him. I I really do. Yeah, I think it, I think if he if he, you know, he played with some, he was in some staffs with 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 you know Elise Chassin and. The, uh, you know, some of those Ubaldo Jimenez and Jeff Francis, you know, these, these guys, he was with some really good pitchers. And I just think, what would it have been like if it was, if we had, if we had Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Jorge de la Rosa, Antonio Sensatella, those guys, that, that group right there, whew, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a healthy Jeff Francis mm-hmm. or an Ubaldo Jimenez that never got traded and didn't get gr- disgruntled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man. Of course, now, now we're talking about putting together our fantasy teams from the histories, but mm-hmm. I'm mixed. I'm, I'm getting generations mixed together, mm-hmm. but yeah, but it's cool. Cause Jorge kind of was part of that bridging of that gap where he left and then it just kind of opened the door to the current you know, staples that we have now, if they weren't injured at time of recording. <laughs> yep. But of a Kyle Freeland, Senzatella, Marquez, uh, John Gray, when he was here. Uh, but Jorge was in some of those 
big rotations, big names. When we look at these, the the roster boards and like the leaderboards, who's up there? It's Ubaldo, it's Jeff Francis, it's Aaron Cook. And then who's there now? <laughs> who's really stood the test of time and really rose above them all was Jorge De La Rosa, which you think of the history of Rocky starting pitchers, then like the greats, the best of the best. I don't think Jorge De La Rosa gets gets remembered as much as an Ubaldo or you know, some of these other guys. He just kind of flied under the radar and became great. But in my book, he's there, and mm-hmm. that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, the Jorge De La Rosa won a heck of a career and you know, one of the best Rockies pitchers in history and oh where would you rank him on that pantheon of of pitchers if you're having to build that mount rushmore of pitchers where is he making it on there where is he rank i want to say he's in the top five it popped up he's he's number three for me mm-hmm. um yeah he's i think I think just because of the 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 workhorse that he was, Aaron Cook is number one for me. Number two is Ubaldo. He was the only no hitter. He was the flashy boom. This is our guy, the all star. The you know was on fire, and then Jorge right after that, and then got to give Jeff Francis some love. <laughs> because the guy, the guys that are still there now, you know, the Herman and Kyle Freeland, you know, they might make some moves in my Mount Rushmore of of Colorado Rockies pitchers. But I do, I got to give give Jorge all the love that I can because uh-huh. he 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 is one that I really did always appreciate. I hated to see him go, and I hate when that happens when injuries and just the time the age mm-hmm. and, and they go on uh i felt the same way with jamie wright when he left and when i saw him playing with other teams i always wanted them as individuals to do good mm-hmm. they always did good against the rockies mm-hmm. but still um uh, you know that's what that's what i feel for him and I think he's from what we've what we've seen. He's living in Arizona. Uh, they have twin boys that are about my boy's age. They're a month older than my than my boy, and I bet he's super busy, you know, living life with them and doing his thing. Mm-hmm. And I think he ranks. Uh, he's. Let's see here. Well, he's in the top 24 players of all time for the Rockies. I can't quite pull up where he's at on that rank. But he's definitely in the lower half, but he's in that top 20. At least or he's even in that top 15 all time in terms of war and everything. And a lot of that's thanks to <laughs> whatever offensive numbers he was able to contribute in his career. Which we never, we haven't talked about the the hitting aspect for a lot of these guys. But just in case we're wondering with the Rockies, (laughs) 
He was batting. He had a 133 batting average, 149 on base, 144 slugging, a whopping 149 strikeouts to six walks. Had 48 hits, four doubles, and 27 RBIs. Uh, in terms of bunts, he had 28 sack hits, sack bunts and stuff. So he was definitely a pitcher. <laughs> Indeed. I can very much relate. <laughs> when he added a whopping negative 1.4 B war offensively. <laughs> so majority of his efforts of his value came from pitching. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> As is the case with most of those pitchers, uh, except for Tyler Chatwood, who ranks in the top 24 because of his hitting and puts him over John Gray, <laughs> despite John Gray being a better pitcher, arguably fun stuff. But yeah, overall Jorge dealers, I think just the forgotten ACE kind of seems like the, just his whole vibe. Just quiet, did his thing, was successful. Maybe kind of gets overlooked, forgotten. But when you remember Jorge, you're like, oh yeah, that, that guy was good. He was a good Rockies pitcher for his career. Oh, and my my last day, he made those Rockies uniforms look good. <laughs> I don't know, going through his stats, he just looked yeah, burly chest with the vests, with mm -hmm. the the purple jerseys that, you know, that like in the, in the footage, they almost looked almost bluish, that bluish purple. Yeah. Not the real, like, I don't know what shade. It was it their is, darker but, shade of purple before they yeah. changed it to a lighter one. Yeah. But, it, and I always remember the, you know, the black, the black vests or the, the road grays, those solid road, road grays. Or the white the vest. Oh yeah, the white vest. I always picture cargo in that one, but mm -hmm. the high socks and yeah, I Jorge. think I think the black vests were Jorge's kind of favorite one too. It seemed like every time he pitched, that's what they were wearing for the most part. Yeah, it's those little things that we remember. Well, I think that brings it to a close here for Jorge De La Rosa. Here on every Rocky ever, one of our favorites, and I'm sure plenty of those listening have their memories too, and things you loved about Jorge or George of the Rose, as we called him, George of the Rose or Hip Hip Jorge. We're mm -hmm. <laughs> Georgie. Yeah, it's one of those solid good pitchers in team history, and it was great that they were able to have him come to the come to Coors Field for the 30th anniversary celebration. One of these, they had him come one of those weekends. I think it was like when Ubaldo came, they kind of brought yeah. two of them together and yeah, just good that they still have that connection with them. And it's one of those guys we'd love to see more of. Like a lot of these guys love to see them come back, be celebrated more. If the Rockies ever create a baseball create their own team hall of fame, He's in there for me. He is in that Hall of Fame. Would he be part of the inaugural class? Well, I'd make it a huge inaugural class, but <laughs> he would eventually get in. But well, Sounds that'll do good it. To here. Me. 
<laughs> that'll do it here for this edition of Every Rocky Ever. As always, we appreciate you tuning in and following along with us. Be sure to uh, subscribe to wherever you get your podcast feeds. You can subscribe to us here on YouTube. You can also uh, be sure to rate and review the episodes, especially over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five Star Reading really helps the Rocky Mountain Rooftop Network. Gets that more coverage. Helps make the show better. You can find us on Twitter as well at Every Rocky Ever. I guess it's called X now. Whatever it's called. And you can find me at sideline underscore, uh, sideline underscore crowd as well as Dustin at, at Mr. T Spanish. And you can find us at Rocky R-O-C-K-Y M-T-N Rooftop over on Twitter X as well. Any last words, Dustin? Now is the the 2023 MLB season's wrapping up because the Rockies aren't moving on. Uh, we'll be putting together some more combinations of players we want to cover and get your opinions out there. Who do you want to talk about? Who makes who's made impacts in your lives? Who are those most memorable forgotten Rockies? Mm-hmm. We'll see you next time here on Every Rocky Ever. I'm Skyler. That's Dustin. We'll see you next time. So long. Farewell. Adios.